Welcome to Gardening Coast to Coast. I'm Gary Polarczyk. I have a YouTube channel called The Rusted Garden Homestead, and my garden is on the East Coast in the state of Maryland. And I'm Callie Kim, and my YouTube channel is Callie Kim Garden and Home, and I have a garden in sunny Southern California, and we just had our time change. So it's kind of weird. It's getting dark at five o'clock now. I'm not so sure I like that. Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, I like the fall. I do get the gardening blues, and that leads us to our topic. That's right. Our topic today is beating the winter blues and using the garden to kind of help us do that. So the reason why I thought of this topic, and we actually did it on my YouTube live stream a couple of weeks ago, and it had such an overwhelming response, I thought it would be good to kind of throw that out today for our podcast. It's because this is something I actually struggle with as soon as the time changes. We are outside in the summertime until like nine o'clock every night. And when the time changes and it gets dark at five, I kind of just feel myself start to go like, oh, it's dark. Mm-hmm. Got to be inside, even though it's probably warm enough for us to go outdoors, which we do a lot in the evenings. But it just kind of, I just kind of get that kind of blue sort of lethargic feeling in the evening. So I thought I would put it out there to see if anyone else struggles with it. And I found out that a lot of people really do. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And I think it's pretty common. And for those of you that don't know, um, before I actually retired about a year and a half ago, I was a mental health therapist at Johns Hopkins for 20 years. And there's a lot of levels of depression and anxiety. And what we're talking about can really kind of go the gambit. If you feel like you are anxious or depressed to a level that it's really impacting your life and your routine, certainly please, you know, seek out a therapist. Um, We do a good job. You just have to find one that works (laughs) for you, but it can really, really make a difference in your life. That being said, we can still have sadness and anxiety and low mood. You know, it may not be to the point we need help, you know, with a professional, but it really does impact us. I know it does impact me after I kind of get my energy back because the, the summer really beats me down with all the heat. But oh, yeah. The, but, but then come like November, I'm okay. December, it's like, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, I think that's one thing that that for me personally I struggle with is I'm super busy in the summertime and the YouTube channel's busy, the garden's busy, although there's plenty to do in the garden in the wintertime in California things do slow down. I'm used to being super, super busy. So sometimes it's just hard for me to slow down. And then I kind of get that feeling of kind of a little bit of lethargy, listlessness. Mm -hmm. I know last winter, and we we swore we would not do this this winter, we watched way too much TV and ate way too much and sat around way too much in the evening. So that's one reason I thought, hey, let's talk about this and see what we can kind of, the tips that we can offer people and offer myself as well. Um, as far as gardening goes, to really help us get through the wintertime and have a really good attitude about it and really embrace it rather than, you know, just struggling with it the whole winter long. I think talking about it's really important. Now, definitely. Gardening Coast to Coast is really about helping people have a better garden. So as we talk about, you know, what you can do to kind of manage the blues, we're going to, of course, interact or we're going to intersperse gardening in there. The structure and routine of gardening really is beneficial for all people, like having a reason to wake up, activities to do, check on your plants, walk the garden, tend the garden, harvest from the garden. They're all just healthy activities. And that's part of what I think in general, a healthy structure does for all of us. And then, you know, what we do, you know, and everybody listening does, gardening plays a big role in that. 
Definitely. I think structure is super important to have something to kind of look forward to each day and um, just to kind of have that to follow. And even, you know, if you have that structure with your kids, you're bringing your kids along with you, you have someone to talk to, and that's really a very fulfilling aspect of your life and can really help you get through those short winter days, but make, but a long winter season. And so the first thing I kind of, oh, sorry, go ahead, Gary. No, go ahead with the first thing. Okay. I was going to say the first thing that really helps me during the winter is just add a lot of color inside your house, especially if you can't get outside. I know for areas like you live in Gary, um, it gets super gray and frozen out there, covered with snow. I mean, you may still have some color out there in your trees or whatever you have outside. <laughs> That's spoken but like to bring color. Spoken like somebody from the West Coast. There's a be- <laughs> there's a little more beauty in there with the. Uh, oh, okay. It's not cold and, and dark all the time. <laughs> autumn leaves and all kinds of stuff. But you're right; it does change. But what about in the middle of December? I mean, I'm sure you have you still have trees that are, you know, green trees. You've got evergreens and things like that. But I'm just thinking, bring that color and light into your house as, as well, as much as you can. I agree. I agree. <laughs> we have, you know, something that's uh, wonderful. It's the snow, like a, a, a falling snow covering everything. It's just kind of refreshing. Um, it's bright. It's like you're a kid again and you want to go out there and listen to the crunch of the snow under your feet and stuff like that. But in that transition from the leaves go away to the snow comes, Everything is kind of yellow and brown, and I'm just giving you a hard time, but it's true. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. But yeah, that's that's one thing is embrace those changes like the snow and take the advantage of the different seasons to go outside and enjoy that. So I know here uh, when it gets below 50, you know, we think it's <laughs> a frigid day. So we're bundled up in our coats and our hats and our gloves. But, um, you know, just get outside as much as possible. Get that sunlight, get that vitamin D. And I was even thinking um, what I like to do in the winter is just get lots of color in my house too. Like it doesn't have to be like a major redecorating or anything like that, but you know, maybe you want to put some brighter color pillows on your uh, couch. Maybe you want to open your curtains to let the sunlight in. Um, when it gets five o'clock, what I do is I turn all the lights on in the house because the darkness kind of makes me feel sad. So I just get the house really bright. I turn on music and just make sure that it feels a little bit more lively and we've been inviting people over more in the evenings. Like we'll have, you know, one night a week we have dinner with the kids, um, you know, just to make sure that we're connecting with them. And usually another night we might have a friend over and, you know, have a drink, have a meal. Uh, actually tonight it's it's 80 degrees today, crazy enough. So we're going to be grilling out back and we're having a friend over to do that. So, you know, get as much color and light as, as possible as you can in your house and then enjoy the outdoors too. Yeah, I think, I mean, what you're describing is, is kind of figuring out what you enjoy. Like for us, when it's cold and it might be 22 degrees, but there's no wind blowing and the sky is blue, you can almost go out, you know, kind of in just a flannel because the wind's not blowing and it's just crisp. It's nice. It kind of refreshes you. Um, But that works for me. And what you're describing works for you. What we're really talking about is the worst thing that you can do is kind of not challenge yourself if your mood's getting low or you're getting anxious. Because what we tend to do is sit. And then when we sit, we kind of shut down a little bit. And then that leads to, you know, not negative thoughts. You know, if you're, again, if you're having really negative thoughts about, you know, suicide or losing life or harming yourself, please get help because it really does affect people and help really does work. But you can also get to a point where your mood and thoughts kind of 
start playing off of each other. So by turning on the light, you kind of like, all right, it's bright. By per- putting on the music, you distract yourself and you think about when you heard that song last. Or by, you know, arranging some colorful plants, you're like involved in an activity. And trying to be present in just appreciating what you're doing in a moment can go a long way to kind of break a cycle. Because most of us don't realize we fall into that mood cycle, you know, when the seasons change. That's right. And I think that's a really good point, Gary, is we don't always realize it. And so I think what happened to us last winter is we kind of knew we were just sitting in the evenings. We didn't like it, but we didn't really do anything about it. So that's why I'm thinking this year, I really want to be proactive and encourage people to be proactive before they get in those cycles so that they can lift their mood and be aware of the things that they enjoy before that kind of blue feeling happens. And it will happen at some point during the season. But when we have these little tips that we can uh, do and things that we have that we can enjoy, hopefully it will keep it from spiraling further down to, you know, a really sad, depressed feeling like you were mentioning Mm -hmm. and um, lift us up out of that. And I like, the other thing I like doing too is exercise is great. And I kind of do that in the garden. So I'm in the process of kind of planning where I want new beds to go. I'm digging out sweet potatoes, which I don't know if you got to see what I put on Instagram, but I had the best sweet potato harvest ever. Um, Took me a couple years to kind of figure out how to grow them. And I want to encourage people to stick with, you know, challenging crops or, you know, if you're just getting started, sometimes they're all challenging. So just stick with it because you do figure it out. But the beauty with sweet potatoes, what I figured out was one, they need a nice loose soil, lots of fertilizer, any granular is fine and a little bit extra bone meal. But what really made a difference was watering them so that they stayed moist all the time. And that's something that will really make a difference and pay off for a lot of your garden, but definitely sweet potatoes. That was the mistake I was making is they would dry out, the leaves would wilt, and it would just impact the growth of the sweet potato. But that's something I like doing. You know, it's winter, but not winter yet, but middle November, I dug out all the sweet potatoes. I'm redoing those beds. And that's just a good activity to, you know, to be active and exercise. And that's neat that you're challenging yourself with something. You know, you can still get outside now and you probably get outside all, all year, even when it's really cold. Mm-hmm. Unlike me. No, I do. I do. <laughs> but you're challenging, you're challenging yourself with something. You're learning something new, which we're actually going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast and you're sticking with it. So it kind of gives you a goal and something to look forward to. It didn't work out so good today. We're going to try it again tomorrow and see how that works out. Yeah. So you mentioned exercise. One thing I love to do is I'm a super early bird and pretty much awake at 4.30 every morning. Jerry leaves for work at 4.30 and I just kind of get up, have my coffee. And then now the time has changed. I can get out earlier for my walk, even though it was 45 this morning. I got out there and it just felt so invigorating and so refreshing. I take Mac out with me and it just gets my day off to a great start. Even though it's cold, it just, it just starts my day off. Right. And I feel good that I did that very first thing before I got started on anything else. So work in that exercise, however you can, whether it's in the garden or maybe you work out in your house or whatever, but just get your body moving and don't sit too much. <laughs> that really helps too. Yeah. And you don't, I don't like, you know, sometimes when we talk about structure and routine, um, you know, I get up pretty early too. And in, in fact, you, nobody knows this, but. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not that kind of, <laughs> since our time difference is three hours, I had mm-hmm. to put on my phone that 
I put Kelly Kim 10 a.m. Oh, that's right. Because I was texting her at 7 a.m., which was before you would wake up, not really paying attention. It was um, like 4 a.m. my time. <laughs> yeah. So now I have this, you know, warning on here is just not not to wake you up before you normally get up as that's an right. early riser. I'm sure you thought it was emergencies. I know it's Gary saying something about radishes or something like that. <laughs> I just kind of learned if I heard a text, it was probably Gary, but now <laughs> I actually turn my phone off at night. So even if you would text me, I wouldn't hear it till later. The... Well, that's important too, actually, but that, that's another discussion. But the structure and routine, like you're saying, you don't need to fill 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m. You're going to feel like a failure because it's too much to do. But for you, getting up, okay. doing that exercise. For me, I go out and walk the garden with coffee. Then I think about, mm -hmm. you know, um, checking comments and stuff from, you know, people on YouTube that are, you know, asking me questions. And then I have an activity. I either go to Freetown Farm where I volunteer or I go over to um, my garden and I, I do a project, but the project can be, you know, something I can do for 30 minutes or I can do throughout the day, but just something to say, Hey, you got something to do rather than, you know, kind of sit around. You have an endless day ahead of you with no activity, mm -hmm. but I think that's a good point too, is for me, I know I tend to, there's always something to do in the garden and sometimes it can be really heavy duty work. Sometimes it's light work. So like today I had about an hour. So I gave myself an hour of work to do. It wasn't super heavy duty work, but it was just an hour of pleasant work out in the garden. I planted a few uh, seedling trays of kohlrabi. It was really fun to finally get some fall vegetables in, even though now it's going to be 80 and 90 degrees the next two days, but that's just Southern California for yeah. you. But it just felt good to be out there and have a little goal, not feel like I had to get five hours worth of work done in one hour. But just to be out there to relax and feel like I got something, you know, very worthwhile accomplished. So it felt great. It felt great. The other thing I like to do too is sometimes going for a drive. Like I go to Home Depot all the time to look for sales on the East Coast. Since it's getting cold, they move the garden products out, bring in the other stuff. But that will break up the day. That could be a, a good two-hour sort of jaunt to go and see what's going on sale at the big box stores. But I also wonder, uh, wander and wonder what I can use the different <laughs> items there for. Like I just found um, plastic window well covers. There's like a half circle that would go at the base of your house to keep rain from going into yeah. those lower windows. And they were only $10 each. So I combined them together. I made myself kind of a mini cold frame that, you know, gives me an activity. So I'm growing radishes under there and nothing's too small. So like now I have that activity to go kind of move the cover off when it's warmer check on the plant. So I'm really trying to extend what I can grow before the ground freeze comes here and lasts for a couple of weeks. And that gives me something to do too. But I love just driving yeah. around, looking what's on sale and trying to figure out how to repurpose things. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think I saw your post either on Instagram or maybe did a YouTube video on it. And that was a great idea. You can, you know, get creative and think of all different ways that you can use items. And, you know, some people like you and I both work at home, so it's kind of nice to have those things to break up the day. You know, some people might be working full time and then come home and be tired and not have the energy to do that. Um, and they might get home in the dark, like Jerry leaves in, in the dark now and gets home in the dark. Yeah, that's tough. So, yeah. So we try and get outdoors a little bit in the evenings if we can. But kind of moving into the second, um, I'm going to call it tips for lack of a better word. Sure is to add some plants indoors too. We kind of alluded to this already, but um, you know, indoor plants look great around your house, but they also make us feel really good and keep, give us something to care for. 
So, you know, in the, the Southern climates, you could still grow outside like us here, but I always love bringing things indoors in the wintertime. Super easy vegetables you can grow indoors, but even if you just like succulents or houseplants or whatever, it just feels good to maybe get home from work. It's too dark. You don't want to go outside. You have a few little plants you can water and care for and even harvest from. So, um, you know, on YouTube, we do a whole uh, indoor garden series, which we're kind of in the middle of right now, where I'm encouraging people just keep it simple. I mean, don't try and grow a big full-size tomato inside because you might get overwhelmed, but just keep it simple with some smaller compact plants. I really like to stick to uh, greens like lettuces, kale, chard. Microgreens are super easy to grow just right on your windowsill. Don't even have to have a grow light. Um, a little tiny compact tomato plant works great inside, and you can even grow that to, you know, get uh, tomatoes. And then there's one other vegetable. Oh, herbs. Herbs are so easy yep. to grow indoors. Really easy just on your windowsill. So it's just a lot of fun. And then you can snip them and throw them into your recipes right there in the kitchen. Well, and they actually do pretty well with less light. So I kind of do the same thing. Yeah. Um, well, a couple of things, too. It's like I know like Jerry's working and most of us work nine to five. Um Sometimes that's good enough to get you through the week and then the weekends are unstructured. So you can kind of plan your garden activities for, you know, when you get home, kind of decompress from work, but also to have something to do, you know, on the weekend. Yeah. In January, I start growing uh, plants with lots of scents, lemon balm, peppermint, oregano, thyme, rosemary, lavender, and even scents in, you know, the fragrances, fragrant, fragrances mm-hmm. <laughs> can kind of boost <laughs> your mood and they're great to grow indoors and it gives you an activity, but then it can transfer out into the garden come spring and you'll have, you know, those plants are perennial. So you can kind of keep kind of propagating those. Yeah. Um, one thing too, we talked about on a recent live stream is even bringing some of your outdoor plants inside. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a process you might want to go through for that, like making mm-hmm. sure there's no bugs on it, spraying them off, um, even repotting them into fresh potting mix. But um, that could be one way too, to have already mature plants, you know, smaller uh, container plants that you could bring indoors to uh, that way you don't have to start from seed. And then you already have some things that you could harvest, you know, uh, fairly quickly. So that makes it kind of fun. Yeah. The best tip I have for bringing stuff indoors, because I've overwintered peppers before inside. Um, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to do it again this year because I, it's warm enough here, even though we're on the frigid East coast <laughs> that <laughs> the uh, peppers do well enough, but it's kind of cool because they're perennials. Actually, if it stays warm enough, they will keep growing and growing. But when I would bring them in, I would have to dig them out of the ground. I would put them in a, in a container, put a paper bag at the bottom of the container. So insects can't get out new potting mix. And then in a top inch of the pot, put in play sand because that will seal in fungus diseases insects messes up the life cycle of fungus gnats and it's just a cleaner plant like you're saying so it's a great way to really bring your potted plants indoors by getting that inch if you can't you know put the paper bag in the bottom um, put that inch of sand on top because that really disrupts any insects from coming in or out of of that plant that's a great idea you've mentioned that tip a couple of times so i'm gonna have to try that one as far as the the play sand i think that's a good idea But I think if people, you know, having an indoor garden, again, gives people that activity or gives us all that activity we can do. It's also a fun little project you can do with your kids, you know, get them their own little container, um, help them pick out what they would like to grow. And then it's a really fun family activity that you can do over the winter months. 
and even grow some gifts, you know, for Christmas for friends that you can give away. Garlic's fun to do with kids too, because it may not grow into a bowl, but you can, you know, break up the garlic. You can have them smell the garlic. You can use um, touch with the, you know, the ruffling dry uh, skin of the garlic. And then they can plant that into a cup. They can tend it. It will shoot, you know, send up a green shoot and they can watch it grow. You can also go outside with them. As long as your ground isn't frozen, you can really get the hard neck garlics in, in the East Coast in the colder climates. A lot of times you'll hear to, you know, do it at first frost or do it before the frost comes or do it just after the frost comes. I mean, they all work. But if you're kind of late to the game, you can get garlic into the ground now as long as your ground isn't frozen. But kids would love to do that project. I mean, you just, you know, absolutely go out there and you break it up and you space it out and you just have them push it into the dirt. They love the dirt, as do I. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're gardeners, right? One of the easiest things I, I want to say for someone who just wants to have one plant indoors is to start a little container of microgreens. I absolutely love microgreens. I don't know if you've ever grown them, Gary, but they are so much fun because they sprout like within a couple of days and you can use any seeds that are easy to germinate. Uh, one of my favorites is radishes because it literally, you can almost see it germinate right before your eyes and you don't even need a container that has drainage. Um, you can use like a little teacup, you can use any kind of little pot um, because you're harvesting them in about a week or so, week to 10 days. So it's not really a big deal that they don't have drainage. And then you can just snip them. I have some in my windowsill right now and I just snip them and add them to like my scrambled eggs in the morning. You might throw them on top of a salad, you know, for your lunch or whatever. And the kids like them too, because they, again, they sprout so fast and the kids can almost literally watch them grow. So I've got, you know, lots of videos on how to grow them if uh, you want to know how to do it. It's super, super easy and really a lot of fun. And you're just cutting the tops, leaving the roots in there to regrow leaves. That's right. I cut the tops and I pretty much just cut them as I need them. So like I have the little one gallon um, smart pots that I use and I might harvest like a fourth of that for one meal and then, you know, harvest it a little bit more the next day. Once the whole thing is harvested, sometimes they will grow back, not quite as thickly as the first harvest. But I can usually get two to three harvests out of one pot before I'll kind of pull the roots out and then replant the seeds. But, you know, you can start one like once a week and then have them going all the time and have them ready to harvest. And we're going to be doing a podcast um, over the next month or so on seed starting indoors and the whole setup. And just real quick, you know, maybe a highlight to what the future podcast will be is you can buy grow lights Um in the hardware section, like you can go to Walmart, just go where they have, you know, hardware and lighting. You're going to save a lot of money because you can get a four foot fixture of LED lights for 15 to $25, 5,000 lumens, which is brightness, you know, up over 4,100 Kelvin, which mimics daylight. Those are the key numbers, but greens will grow with those shop lights. They don't need specialized lights for flowering or for fruiting or for long-term growing you can you know just pick up these shop lights set up your flats under you know lights to give out you know enough brightness and mimic daylight and you can grow through the whole winter definitely even the microgreens too are nice because you don't have to have grow lights um, I just sit mine on my kitchen countertop and I don't even have sunlight through that window because you know you're not growing them to full size you're only growing them to two or three inches tall but the lettuce I grow under those little clamp lights um, I think you might've come up with that, mm -hmm. uh, that milk jug with the PVC, yep. uh, pipe in it. Yeah. And you clip your clamp light onto that with a grow light that you just mentioned or a small little, you know, screw, screw in light bulb. 
and you can grow a little pot of lettuce under that and it's super easy and you don't need a ton of space. So kids enjoy that too, because then they can go and pick their own salad, which is teaching them, you know, that you can grow your own vegetables and then hopefully they'll eat more vegetables because they're growing their own too. So today's podcast doesn't have a sponsor yet. It is sponsored by you and I. But if you're interested in advertising in the future, please contact us. You can reach us at Gardening Coast to Coast, and that's uh, the number two, coast to coast at gmail.com. And if you have questions about gardening, we do, I think at least once a month we're going to be doing it, a Q&A session. And you can also reach us, just leave us the question at gardeningcoasttocoast at gmail.com. And we did get quite a few questions this week on our at our Gmail. So that was really fun to read those. But our first one is from actually a viewer of ours and probably watches your channel too, Gary. But I think uh, Rod is was one of our very first viewers. So we've known him for quite a long time. And he wrote in a really nice comment. This is from Rod. He said, hola, Kim and Gary. I've really been enjoying the podcast, you two. So much so that they seem way too short. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, that's good to know. And I also well. love it. <laughs> Because I can listen on my phone through Spotify and be out doing whatever it is I am doing. If it was a video, I wouldn't be able to do anything because I'd want to be watching as well as listening. So these are absolutely awesome. I've interacted most with Kim, but I've also been following um, Gary's YouTube channel for a long time. Thank you both so much for all the knowledge and help over the years. Learning to garden keeps me sane and centered. Lots of love from my garden in Baja to you both. Rod. Very kind. Rod is very kind. And one thing about Rod is he grows almost completely in containers and he grows a ton of peppers. He has grown over the years, uh, lots and lots of hot peppers. And uh, for a long time on Instagram, he was doing hot pepper tastings. And I'm talking the hottest peppers out there on the planet. Literally on Instagram, he puts one in his mouth and does a video on it. So, um, yeah, kudos to you, Rod. I definitely could not do that. <laughs> well, that that is brave. I've actually cut Very down. Brave. <laughs> I'm only going to grow. I mean, I grow the super hots, like ghost scorpion, um, habaneros, which are probably not nearly as hot as some of what he grows. But I can't use them, so I give them away. Yeah. But I love the way they look, um, especially the uh, the ghost and scorpion peppers are really cool looking. But no way, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that oh, in my man. mouth and chew it. It's, it's and he's literally work. like tears are coming out of his eyes while he's doing this, but he's just loving it and laughing. So I don't know how he does it, but <laughs> that's more good. power to you, Rod. That's great. I good love seeing him. those videos. I'll send him my hot yeah. peppers. Yeah, I'm sure he would love them. Now you can find our podcast through Apple, Spotify, um, lots of different places. And you can also go to gardeningcoasttocoast.net and find, you know, um, all the past podcasts. And soon we'll be putting up, you know, Maybe we'll get to an outline of what's going to be coming, you know, in December and January. But right now, you know, I think we're working on two or three a month. So things are going pretty yeah, good. That's right. The next question is from uh, Rebecca Hansen. And she says, do you have any advice for growing leeks? I love them, but have not had luck growing them. I'm in Central Virginia Zone 7. And just for people that still use the zones, I'm in Maryland Zone 7. Um I do have a lot of advice for leeks, actually. In, in this case, I might have you go to my YouTube channel, The Rusted Garden, because I did a video maybe last month on growing leeks um, because I love them. So a couple of tips is one, you can start them indoors. They take like 120 to 180 days to mature, but they grow really well, although I see that you're struggling. <laughs> Uh, indoors, you can put them in starting mix, let them, you know, just do their thing. Their roots tangle. You can take them outside and pull them apart. So sometimes I don't know if you're using transplants, but sometimes if you do transplants, they do better 
than from seed in the garden for whatever reason. So transplants is one way to go. The other way to go is to um, put multiple seeds in the planting hole. They only need to be planted really two to four inches apart um, and see, you know, kind of what comes up that way. But you would want to do it earlier in the spring, firm soil so the seeds don't kind of get lost if it rains down to the bottom um, and not too deep and, and just see how it goes. But I like to put literally 50 or 100 uh, leek seeds into a seed starting flat, no cells or anything like that, just filled it with dirt, put it across the top, kind of rake them in a little bit with my hand and then let them grow. So leeks, do you use them like for leek soup? Because I've always heard of that, but I've never, I've never had it before. So it'd be fun to yeah, so they to try. Yeah, they have an onion taste. And I, I think I did a video on leek or I did it on potato soup. So I'm growing potatoes too, but potato and leek oh, soup cool. is, is wonderful. But leeks, oh, if, yeah. if you're not familiar with them, it's like a, it's like concentric rings. So it's like a circle within a circle, within a circle, within a circle. So when you slice it, you see all these circular layers in your leek and you can just chop it up. It has an onion-like taste. It breaks apart really nicely. It can be sprinkled in your salads, in your soup. Um, but it's really cool because it's, it's pretty versatile and it can take the frost and the cold and a freeze. I even have some that survived wow. my winter and then I pick them next year. So they're kind of like a giant green onion. Very similar. Of, yeah. Very, okay. very similar cool. in taste, but they don't bulb. They have a nice, it's the stem that gets really thick. So it's a little bit okay. of white and then a thicker stem stem. It's kind of like, you know, when it gets to the size of a large cigar, that's when mm -hmm. your leek is ready and you're chopping up that, that stem. There's no, oh, there's cool. no, you know, baseball bulb or onion on there or anything like that. I love this hearing about new vegetables. So I will definitely have to plant some leeks. They sound like a really fun one. And then our next question is from uh, Kelly Barber and they say, greetings, Gary and Kim. First off, thank you. I have learned so much from you both and I really appreciate you. Two questions. Can hot pepper plants be grown completely, completely inside year round? Are there lights that are used for seedlings different than lights that would be needed for growing peppers year round? Thanks a million. So when I talk about grow lights and if you watch my videos, that is just um, for uh, transplants. It's just white light, daylight, 4,100 Kelvin or higher, 5,000 lumens for brightness. So that helps get great seed starts. So yes, you would need more specialized lights. Um, you'd have to worry about something called the par value um, and the reason being is for flowering and fruiting, you need different wavelengths of light, which I can't talk in depth about because I don't do it. But if you try to grow peppers or tomatoes or sometimes other plants that are going to flower and fruit, sometimes you just need the specialized lights and you need to spend more. Um, I would say, you know, try it out, but I feel like you're going to need more rounded wavelength light to really get great flowering and, and great um, pepper production. Okay, so moving into some more tips here for helping us beat the winter blues. One thing that's really fun to do in the wintertime is really think about next year's garden. So, you know, it's much more of a downtime at this time of the year. There's not quite near as much going on in the garden. So, Gary, I know you're big on uh, keeping a garden journal. I'm not so big on that, but I do like to kind of think and plan and dream in my head and kind of get some new ideas going. 
And, uh, you know, maybe I'll jot a few notes down, but, um, you know, get your dreams out there for what you'd like to change up. Maybe you, you know, made a few mistakes this year that you kind of want to correct, or maybe you just want to dream big and plan out a whole bunch of new raised beds, but just, you know, keep track of what went well, what didn't go well, and, um, you know, plan to do things a little bit differently for next year. So it's a good time to really do that. And again, it gives you kind of something to do so that you can have some structure. Maybe in the evenings you want to sit down and and write those things down in a, a little notebook or something. Yeah. And when I, like I write down stuff, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like writing paragraphs. It's just enough for <laughs> me to remember. Cause I can't remember anything really to remember <laughs> that I had this idea. And then, I mean, kind of like you, I mean, I build everything in my head. Like I don't really measure things out. I don't necessarily get out draft paper, except when I designed my garden three years ago, I wanted to see what it looked like, but just kind of think about, you know, what would that trellis look like? Or if I move this bed over here, how yeah. would that look? And you can kind of get lost just into the creative process, which I think is key of kind of like what we're talking about is kind of break that cycle of, you know, mood changes and stuff. You get your brain working on something else and that leads to a new idea or that leads to something exciting. Right. And, and it's just a good way to, to go about it. Like I'm spending a lot of time now getting my beds ready, but thinking about, you know, where I want to kind of centralize things. So I didn't, actually, I didn't tell you this. So I've been growing my garden a lot for training um, purposes so that people can see, Hey, this is what root pouches look like. And this is what metal yeah. beds look like. And this is what such and such looks, looks like. Next year, I'm going to be really concentrating on living out of the garden, you know, as oh, cool. not the primary source because I still have to buy proteins and stuff, but really using everything in the garden. Um, I just ordered stuff for canning. I'm learning how to do, you know, canning and stuff like that. But the big project that I'm working on is rather than having tomato plants kind of all over my garden, and you've seen them, then I got to mm -hmm. sort of bounce around to take care of them all. I'm figuring out where to concentrate the tomato plants, where the cucumber plants are going to go. My extra garden um, that I use for videos is going to probably grow pumpkins and melons. So everything is kind of going to be focused on kind of redesigning where my plants go to make it as easy as possible for me to tend and take care of them, but then also have maximum harvest and stuff like that. So that's that's a big event for me. Cool. Yeah, for me to really think about yeah. through November and December. And sometimes you have that idea in the back of your head. At least this is how ideas kind of work for me. I have that idea in the back of my head. If I sit down and think, okay, I've got to think of an idea or a solution to that problem that I'm having in the garden or whatever, it doesn't come to me. But I just jot it down. I actually uh, keep on my notes app on my phone is kind of where I live out of. I jot a few ideas down there and then I will I'll go out into the garden and just do something kind of mindless. And usually I'll get an inspiration or an idea. So I love that idea that you just talked about because you're really making your garden work for you and your lifestyle. So yeah. we all garden in different ways. Our garden all will fulfill our the needs in our life that we have in different ways. So, you know, I love how you're kind of changing things up and making it work for you because I tend to get stuck in ruts and do the same thing over and over again. And this year I did try and change things up a little bit in the garden and realized that I really liked it that way. So, um, so know, it's a good way to kind of get some new inspiration and bring new life into, you know, not only your own heart and mind, but and soul, but into your garden as well. Yeah. And the changes worked out for you. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It worked out really well. And I ended up really, really enjoying it. We just kind of moved some things around. We moved some trellises around instead of planting things in the same place. I did different things and did things closer to my house that I really ate a lot. 
So I could just dash out and grab them. And it's a, it's a lot more convenient to go grab herbs when they were like right outside my door rather than having to walk down the hill and get them. And it, you know, I ended up really, really liking it. One of the interesting things, like as my career as a therapist is anxiety is common for most people. And sometimes we get into a routine, like I always go to the same, same gas station. <laughs> when that gas mm -hmm. station closes, <laughs> you have to go somewhere else. You can feel anxiety and you know, yeah. that's a small scale and you know, once you go to the new gas station, the anxiety kind of goes down. Same thing with gardening or routine is you could just be so used to doing it the same way. Any thoughts of making change creates an anxiety, you know, not a big deal, but it's creates discomfort. So you just let it be. And the Definitely. cool thing is, is if you can push through that and just tear up your garden, move something, once you tear it up and move it, the anxiety goes away <laughs> and then you're just involved in having fun, kind of creating something new. It's, it's odd, but yeah, I think people can. No, I agree. That. I totally agree. Cause I, I do tend to do things the same way. And when things change, I do feel a little bit anxious. So I love that we're talking about this today because I think a lot of people may not be, uh, may not know that someone else feels that way too. So it's a good thing, you know, that we're all kind of in this together and we can talk about how to deal with it and just have it, you know, be out in the open. It's, it's really common. And tens of yeah. millions of people deal with mental health um, concerns at all kinds of different levels. We call, you know, well, call things wellness now. Um, but there's nothing wrong with having a low mood or having issues that, you know, are affecting your mental health. At the same time, like you were saying earlier, is you kind of take ownership that it's there. It's not a secret. And then you work on things to have a better kind of wellness approach, which is just actively trying to change your routine or add in new things that, that benefit you. And it's, it's not really complicated, but you got to work at it to, to, to make changes. And I know that you enjoy learning new things and there's books that you like to pick up and, and read. That's right. That's one thing I was going to talk about too, is as our tip number four is to learn something new during the downtime too. So there's always something to be learned. I'm constantly learning. And one thing that I've been wanting to learn more about for a long time, actually I've gotten a lot of questions on, is about companion planting. And I, I grabbed a couple of books here. Um, one of my favorite books uh, so far right now is called Plant Partners. And hopefully I uh, will be posting this on YouTube because I'm holding up the book <laughs> right now. But um, this one is actually written by someone that Gary and I both know. Her name is Jessica Walliser. She's actually our editor at um, Cool Springs Press, which is the, the um, publishing company that we both have our books through. She's written several books, and this is a very scientific-based book, and it's got some great information in it. So this is one thing that I'm learning a lot about right now is companion planting that I've been wanting to learn about for quite a long time. So take the advantage of the wintertime. Maybe you can sit by the fire, grab a, you know, a nice warm beverage or something, and pick up some books that you haven't had time to read during the summer. Here, this is another book too that I think is absolutely excellent. This one actually, and I'll, I'll, say, I'll say what it's called because you guys can't see me holding this up, but it's called Growing Undercover. And this one is written by an author named Nikki Jabor. She's written several books, but this book inspired me a lot while I was writing my Raised to Bed book because it is an absolutely beautiful book. And I've showed this on my live stream several times, but the pictures in this book are incredible. So if you're one of those people who like to flip through books and look at the photos, you will definitely want to get uh, Growing Undercover by Nikki Jabor. It's an amazing book. And Grow Bag Gardening. I love to grow in containers. Gary, I know you grow in root pouches. I mm -hmm. grow in smart pots. But this is by Kevin of Epic Gardening, who a lot of people listen to as well. 
He's got a podcast. He's got a YouTube channel. And this is a great book um, that gives you a lot more in-depth on grow bed gardening. So highly recommend that one. The last two I'm going to mention, guess what they are? The <laughs> oh. Modern Homestead Garden and Organic Gardening for Everyone <laughs> by Gary and I. So these are great books to uh, pick up during the wintertime as well. Uh, mine will take you see, uh, from seed to harvest, how to plant and grow your own vegetables. And Gary, you can say a little bit about your book. Yeah, The Modern Homestead Garden. And, you know, the longer I have it out there, the more I really think about it is the modern homestead is really kind of blending the old gardening lifestyle as we kind of romanticize into modern life that you don't have to just go to work, come home, order out, go to the grocery store. You can incorporate your earth if it's small on, you know, maybe a balcony or something like that, or something bigger like I have, but you can learn the skills of gardening to help, you know, become more self-sufficient. And it really kind of just walks you through that mindset is that you don't need to have everything right now to have a homestead, but you can begin to learn the, the gardening skills. Um, and it, it's made a difference for me. I mean, it's really helping me kind of focus as we're talking today on what do I want to do each day to help me with my structure, my routine, in my health and wellness. That's right. And it's, it's such a process too. It's not something that happens overnight, whether you're working on your mental health, whether you just want to grow personally, you know, just, I like to bite off little areas of my life that I want to grow and change and work on those, not feel like I have to do everything at once and then move on to the next area. So it's just, we're always learning. We're always constantly growing and changing. So a little bit at a time and over the, over a year, when you look back, you know, hopefully you see a lot of growth in your life over a long period of time. And I just want to say, I haven't gotten to meet Nikki yet, but Kevin is brilliant. Jessica is wonderful. So I do really recommend, you know, reading their books. I like watching uh, Kevin's videos because they're very down to earth and they're factual. There's not a lot of fluff or whatever. It's just, this is how you do it. That's nice to watch. And Jessica is just brilliant. I just, I like talking with her. Um, and I love She's this. She's a nice all around person. I yeah. love her. Well, I love the science too, behind gardening. Like, yes. I mean, I encourage people all the time to experiment. Um, I don't always believe in companion planting, but the more I read, there are certain plants that really do well together. Um, but if you don't kind of pursue it and you don't kind of test things out, you don't find kind of what's myth and kind of what's you know, factual and what, what works. So I really recommend experimenting and kind of getting into the science of, of plants. Definitely. And it just feels great to learn something new. So whether it be you're reading uh, books or whether just re researching a topic on the internet, maybe a new plant that you want to grow, just dig in there and learn and uh, then share it with somebody else. And that kind of brings us to our last tip mm -hmm. is community. And it's, I'm not saying that you have to be part of a big, huge group or anything like that, but I really feel like we are, as human beings, we're designed to live in relationship and in community with other people. So whether it's a neighbor that enjoys gardening, a neighbor that you can take walks with, maybe they don't enjoy gardening yet, or you could talk to them about gardening, just find someone that you can be in community um, with, uh, there's so many communities you could, you could join. I know Gary, you're a big part of, uh, the Freetown farm, which is a big garden community or community garden right. in your area that I know you've really enjoyed and made a lot of, um, really good friendships there too. Yeah. One of the things that I kind of made an effort is when I, you know, moved to retiring from being a therapist and, and working with, you know, my, a YouTube channel in a garden more often was to figure out just that. How can I meet people with 
similar likes, you know, and garden was one of them. So I got to volunteer at Freetown Farm. Um, it's six acres. Uh, one thing I want to thank people that participated in yesterday's Howard County Changemaker Challenge. Um, the audience voted and Freetown Farm for their nourishing garden programs won a $10,000 grant. And that money is- That is so exciting. Yeah. That, we are so That's appreciative. Um, that $10,000 is going towards nourishing gardens, which is, you know, in short, helping to bring gardens into Howard County community. If it's a home, awesome. if it's a business, if it's open community space, but we're really building that program. So that was wonderful. But I would never had a chance to do that if I didn't say, let me volunteer and just go see what's out there. That can be anxiety provoking for people too, is like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to go meet new people. What's it going to be like? That is so normal. You know, um, I get anxious, you know, um, sometimes really? shooting videos, just talking when Jerry has a camera in my face. I know you guys. Oh yeah, I do too. <laughs> but I'm like, Well, I oh, do too, I... just filming videos and I filmed over a thousand of them, but I get nervous too. And we're yeah. in our own backyard. So I totally hear you. But I would, I would just encourage, like you're saying is, you know, look for community gardens, um, clubs, anything where you can volunteer and, you know, you don't have to talk a lot. You can just be present and That's listen. Right. But after you go three, four, five times, you're going to start getting comfortable. That will become part of your routine. And that's going to really, um, I think, help people out um, all the time, but certainly that's through right. winter and stuff like that. It, something really cool is my neighbor next door absolutely loves to garden. And so we're always sharing fruits and vegetables back and forth. But he loves to, you know, say, Kim, can you come over and take a look at my garden? And we'll just walk around his backyard and look at the plants. So, you know, I'm not giving any great, you know, rocket science garden information to him, but we're just looking at the plants, admiring them. You know, he'll pick some eggplant and then his wife will make, you know, whatever out of it and send it over. And then I'll, I usually have tons of cucumbers. So I send him over cucumbers. So it's just kind of fun to share that together and just share the enjoyment of what we both like to do and have someone to talk to about it. So yeah, it doesn't have to be a big community group. There's so many groups online too, like the Gardening Coast to Coast Facebook group is a great one. Um, there's so many people, I think it's like 25 or 30,000. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how, how big it's gotten, but people are so nice to help out and answer questions and what bug is this on my plant? And you can usually get an answer pretty quick. So it's really a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's, you know, if, if, you know, you may not have the opportunity or there may not be community uh, places that you can go, but, you know, doing stuff online can you know, kind of break up the day and get you started. And one thing I used to always say, you know, as a therapist, unfortunately, um, opportunity doesn't knock at your door. You know, you, you don't have people show up saying, Hey, you want to come do this? Cause if they did, you probably would want to, you do have to sort of put yourself out there a little bit look around. But if you just kind of start stirring the pot a little bit, you'd be surprised at how much you find that you would enjoy and you can start doing it. But just, I would encourage people just to look around word of mouth, you know, Facebook saying, Hey, what's around my area that we can, you know, share vegetable stories or, right. or swap, <laughs> um, you know, vegetables. With that being said, the other thing too, is sometimes we grow extra produce. So you can get involved with shelters or, um, nonprofits that need food and you can really, you know, expand how you use gardening in your life. That's right. Um, people love to get gifts of fresh vegetables. So if you have extra, you know, consider um, giving them away to someone who may not be into gardening, but I know for me, the first time I tasted a fresh tomato or, you know, fresh cucumber, 
the taste is just incredible. And a lot of people don't realize the difference in the taste. In fact, my sister-in-law was over here not too long ago and we were walking through the garden and she was looking at my cucumbers. And she said, I didn't even know that's what cucumbers looked like on the vine. I had no idea that's how they grew. And for me, gardening for so long, it honestly, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it didn't even occur to me that someone wouldn't know that. So it was really cool to be able to show her and give her some to take home. And I don't think she's grown any cucumbers yet, but she did get really excited about it. So that was kind of no, rewarding. I, and that's right. It's like what you know, what I know, what all our listeners know isn't necessarily common knowledge. And it sounds crazy because once you start doing it, you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. This is where radishes come from. But people don't know radishes come out of the ground, just like the cucumber example yeah. you gave. And showing people, um, you know, what a cucumber grows on, it grows That's on a vine, right. I think is wonderful. Like I really, really enjoy it. And I could talk for hours about that. Oh, yeah. So I guess we got to come to our kind of final thoughts. I know that Upcoming videos, I think we want to talk about um, spring prep for the garden, seeds starting indoors. Um, we can start talking about prevention plans, all kinds of different things. But again, I want yeah. to encourage people, you can certainly leave us a uh, question or you can just leave a statement saying what you would like the next podcast to be on. And that's at gardeningcoasttocoast at gmail.com or gardeningcoasttocoast.net. You can reach us through both of those. We really appreciate everybody listening. There's been a fantastic response to the podcast and that's all uh, due to you all uh, listening and enjoying it and letting us know and giving us feedback and questions. And we are really looking forward to the next one. And pretty soon we will be prepping for our spring garden. So just hang in, th hang in there through the winter time and hopefully you'll be able to use some of these tips today to uh, help beat those winter blues. And just, yeah, one more thing too. I mean, we both has, have seed shops and I know that we'll be putting up different things that will a little bit kind of go along with the podcast for seed starting indoors. Um, but you can find my seed shop at therustedgarden.com. I'll probably have some sort of package deal coming up for indoor seed starting. And my seed shop is at calikimgardeninhome.com and I have seed collections. So it kind of takes the guesswork out of it. And um, containers also that you can grow either indoors or um, take outside. Thanks so much for listening. And we will uh, talk with you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.